When you hear the term men's ministry, what comes to mind? Pancake breakfasts? Building wheelchair ramps? Attending conferences? What is men's ministry and what does it look like in your church? What should it look like? Hey, this is Mike Salen, and, uh, and I'm a men's ministry leader who interviews leaders in men's ministry. And on this program, I got Chris Van Brocklin with me, an ambassador for No Regrets Men's Ministry, and we will be talking about men's ministry and what should it look like in your local church and how maybe you can use No Regrets Men's Ministry to impact the men of your church. Chris, welcome to the program today. Great. Thanks, Mike. Great to be here. Yeah, well, you know, when you and I often talk to uh, men's ministry leaders, and I, I often hear it seems like the same thing all the time. How do I engage with men, and how can I develop a ministry to men into an effective and vibrant ministry to men? And, you know, the, the idea that we need to change the paradigm of ideas and ministry to men is more than a banquet breakfast, and it's more than just doing a project and computer. They can be part of that ministry, but minister men is much more. Would you agree with that? I certainly do. As a matter of fact, uh, all of those things that you mentioned are all great things, and they definitely have a place in men's ministries in different areas. Um, but there's so much more. And so I think that's what we need to really center on. Um, and to refer to men's ministry, um, you know, men's ministry has been a mystery for generations. So nothing new under the sun. Uh, we're still struggling with the same ideas. And uh, we're having, though, some breakthroughs because there's some great things happening really right now in ministry to men that we have been looking for for a long time. So I hope we get a chance to share those with the guys. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We will share about it. Well, let me tell our listening audience a little bit more about you and um, who, who they're listening to here opposite me. Uh, Chris spent 10 years as a teacher and 15 years as a sales and marketing executive in the paper and packaging industry before being called to serve as the National Director of Men's Ministries for the Evangelical Free Church of America. And while there, he founded Men with a Purpose, a church coaching and consulting ministry. Chris also co-authored uh, Seven Keys to a Highly Successful Ministry to Men for Local Churches and Men's Ministries, Men's Leaders, excuse me. He is a founding member of the National Coalition of Ministry to Men and has served on the executive leadership team of that organization for several years. He served as an area director for the uh, for Man in the Mirror Ministries and is now serving as a training and coaching ambassador for No Regrets Men's Ministry. Chris and his wife, Sheila, have been married for 50 years, and they have three grown children and three grandchildren. They recently settled in Crossville, Tennessee. And Chris enjoys outdoor activities, especially hunting, fishing, and he loves training and coaching men's discipleship. His real passion, though, is helping to lead and disciple making men's movements across America. And uh, knowing Chris in these number of years and listening to him and the various ministries and uh, calls that we've been on together and so forth, there's no doubt in my mind that's important to him. So, Chris, how did you get in? How did you see the call into men's ministry? What, what, what pulled you into that? That's a great question. Um, I think uh, as I speak with men's ministry leaders, every single one of us practically has backed into the door. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think uh, I don't think I've ever run across somebody that said he spent a great deal of time campaigning for this these positions. So usually it's a tap on the shoulder or some other, usually an event or something like that. For me, it was an event. Um, in 1992, I had arrived in Colorado 
And uh, we lived in Fort Collins and I, I went with a group of guys down to the first PK conference in uh, Folsom Field. Large number of guys, 24,000 or so. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went away very encouraged, just like I think all of the men there. But I also went away maybe with just a bit of a different take on it, almost a saddened heart or concerned heart, I guess. You know, my heart was broken for something. And that actually is, is what uh, a calling to ministry is all about. Um, I was heartbroken that I would be going back to my local church, just like the local churches I've been involved in throughout my life. And uh, I knew that there would be nothing that even approached that kind of excitement, that kind of uh, calling on men to step up and become the husbands, fathers, leaders, and so on and so forth. Um, there were the pancake breakfasts, of course, and retreats and things like that. But that wasn't really what I wanted to see. I wanted to see <clears throat> something way more compelling. After all, Great Commission is pretty compelling when you think about it. And so... Uh, from that point, I started thinking more and more and more about that. And I started leading the men's ministry in our local church. Again, backed into that. Uh, basically, I was standing in line and they said, would the real men's ministry leader please step forward? And 29 guys sat down and I was the only guy standing. So <laughs> It's kind of like yeah. the volunteer, volunteer yeah. thing. <laughs> sort, of, sort of like we, the way I did it. Yeah, we and, need uh, a volunteer and everybody backs away. <laughs> right. Like the army. So... You know, over time, though, God really blessed that um, commitment and um, ended up um, working um, at the district level of our denomination, uh, helping other churches. And that was really compelling to me. And from that, um, I actually got an opportunity to start a men's ministry at the national level at the Evangelical Free Church of America and worked at that for 10 years. So it was not something that I had planned for, been educated for or prepared for in a lot of ways, but yet I had too, a teacher up in front and then a salesperson always having to, to, to do presentations and creating mm -hmm. presentations and planning mm -hmm. and some of the rest of those things fit a lot of what I ended up uh, being involved in for 25 years. Well, let me ask you this because I've been doing it for so long. Um, you know, a lot of us these days still call it men's ministry. We call it ministries of men, especially for what we're doing. But if someone's to ask, well, I'm going to ask, I'm actually going to ask you, so if, um, if somebody in your church asks you, what is men's ministry? What would you tell them? Mm -hmm. Well, that's a great question. Um, in my own church and the churches that I've been involved in, I try to help them understand, especially at the senior pastor level, where a men's ministry fits in. And I always go to the fact that <clears throat> it fits under something else. And a lot of times it fits under what a church might look at as family ministry or something to that effect. Because really what you're taking is a segment of the population called men, males, and you're helping them to be become more effective biblically and uh, lead their families and, and lead in the church and lead in their community and across the world. So the way I also think about it is what we're really doing, like a, like a, a refinery for, for crude oil, taking guys through the refinery and they stop at different stations along the way. It's different for almost every guy, mm -hmm. but eventually we get him refined to the point where he's useful for whatever God has for his life. So that's what we're trying to do is not behavior modification, but transformation that helps a guy become what God wants him really actually to be the reason he was created. 
Yeah, how would you how would you encourage a guy if you, if you had a, a good ministry in your church going on? How would you encourage a guy say you need to be a part of this? You need to be a part of this. Why should a man be a part of a ministry to men in their local church? Great idea. Uh, again, I would start out by interviewing him a little bit and asking him how's life going. And yeah. uh, when we start talking about his responsibilities at work, at uh, home, um, even his even his playtime activities and things like that. A lot of times that reveals where there's a, a great lacking and uncomfortableness. And um, I certainly grew up that way that I was not given a whole lot of instruction on how to be a dad. And yet the Bible tells a great deal about how to be a good father, a good husband. Oh, and yeah. So on. Oh, yeah. So I would say if you're, you're lacking in that area, uh, the Bible can can fill that area in. And that's what we're really talking about. So let me ask you the big uh, $64 million question, so to, so to speak. What is what is the biggest issue you see men having to deal with today? Well, my answer would have been different three years ago. But today I can look at our situation as it is in the world and recognize that we've got a lot of challenges. And I think guys, to some extent, uh, are unsure uh, more than ever of what their role is and uh, how they should um, step forward into each day. And um, if they don't have a very solid foundation biblically or a worldview, right. they're so easily swayed by our polarized political situations and all of the messages coming from uh, social media and everything else bombarding them literally with a lot of different ideas. I mean, back in the day when I had to face that, it was a college professor actually that challenged me. He was, he was actually introducing us, he's a sociologist, so he was introducing us to an alternative worldview. And that rocked my world because I'd been raised in a Christian home. And when I came across somebody who really challenged that worldview, uh, it shook me up. But boy, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. today... I think every guy gets up and he's challenged almost every single day from almost every single direction. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, and that's it, that's a difficult place to be. It is. It's hard for a man to be a man in in today's world, and uh, because we are with the council culture that's going on out there, telling us what we should and shouldn't do, and say and say and can't say, and things of that nature, and and uh, they they really uh, begin to take a man and and um, tear him down. And trying trying to make him make him not feel like he is a valued person or 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 an important person, and and that's one of the things that the scriptures is very clear on, is uh, how important a man is, not only to the world but to his family, and how how it, how it changes. I know I was talking to some guys last night where we were studying a little bit about the the um, father's influences upon their daughters, and mm -hmm. we were talking about how so many. So many of our children today don't have that father figure in their home. And, and that's through men's ministry. We can help a man to be that father figure if he, if he truly wants to be. We'll let God use him. Well, all of us as men feel very uncomfortable when we don't have the answers and yeah. we don't even have a, a direction to go in. And I just think that that actually is what we're looking at today. There are a lot of guys out there that are so unsure, they hardly even want to open their mouths. And so... When we call them to come to men's activities and things like that, it make, it's a difficult choice for them because they have so many other choices. But at the same time, it's also 
are you going to challenge me with something that I don't know? Are you going to, are you going to, you know, am I going to look bad in the fact that I don't know my Bible? Um, you know, all of those thoughts, I think, I think well up in a man. And uh, I don't think it's easier today because of the situation to minister to men. I actually think it's probably even more challenging than it was three or four years ago. And, oh, yeah, I, I agree. I think, uh, you, you know, several years ago, you could say you were having a Bible study or you were doing some kind of study on some particular subject that interested men. And uh, and you would have a probably a good crowd, relatively speaking, dependent on uh, on your church size. Uh, to attend that today, men are so busy and wrapped up in so many things. It's hard to get them to to, uh, to participate in, in anything like that, and mm -hmm. nor for them to understand the importance for them to be trained and be uh, influenced by other men, so they can be the men that God created them to be. Uh, mm -hmm. I see that all the time. Encourage and trying try to encourage guys to to uh, partake in those kinds of studies. You see the same thing. I do, but. I'm also encouraged with the fact that we've seen enough people in the men's ministry arena who have gotten very creative and there mm. are some really great things that mm -hmm. we didn't have before. In fact, actually you and I are participating in one of them right now. Mm -hmm. um, I've never seen so many uh, different tools and things like that, podcasts and blogs, uh, studies that are now online. And uh, you know, of course, COVID-19 forced us into that to be able to, to do what we, we knew was there, but never participated very much in it. I'll just speak for myself, but I think a lot of people feel the same way. Now I spend a, a lot of time online doing things uh, all the way from this kind of an interview to training and um, even Bible studies and things like that. And um, actually there's some great value in that. And it does it does play into the difficulty of bringing a guy to a site to, to participate. Um, much more comfortable to sit in his own home with his own family upstairs or whatever and dive right in and spend some time not driving into church or driving in someplace and doing all of that. It's, it's a, it, this part of it is what I'm talking about. There's some pretty exciting things that, are, that are, have been created recently that are actually helping us a great deal. What we need to do is become better and better at it so that we do it well and we don't blow it. Yeah, COVID was, uh, the pandemic was a, a terrible thing in so many people's lives, but at the same time, you know, I kind of lean on the scripture that we say a lot of times. In fact, uh, uh, people probably get tired of hearing me say it because I say it so often is in Romans 8, 28, where it says all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And that doesn't mean just good, good things. It also means bad things can work to his good too. Mm -hmm. And so even though this pandemic uh, was a bad thing, as far as the world is concerned and, and people lost their lives over it, God used it to drive people like you and I to down a different avenue of ministry. Uh, mm -hmm. This podcast is a result of that. This, this what I do right now is in August of 20, uh, uh, 2020 uh, is when this podcast began and that we are here doing now intentional conversations. Um, and it probably wouldn't have happened otherwise because this is the only way I could connect with men. And isn't it great, Mike, that really across the board, I find anyway, almost all men's ministry leaders anyway, are very willing to dedicate time and talent and treasure and everything to do this. Oh yeah. Uh, nobody seems to be 
requesting any kind of payment or anything like that. I think we are all invested to the point where we recognize what God's given us and everybody's just moving forward. And it's really great to see. Yeah. And, and I will say God has been good when we started this particular part of the ministry of Cape Fear Men with, uh, with the, with the podcast is that, uh, uh, just like you said, I have, if anybody I have gone out there and, and asked, would they, uh, uh, join me on the podcast? I've never had anybody say no. You know, they, they, they're all ready to step up and do it. It's just a matter of being able to schedule the time that, uh, me and them can connect, uh, to do the, do the podcast. And, that, and that's such a blessing. And I appreciate all of them, including you, Chris, uh, to uh, be to be able to do that, and and for our listening audience over there, Chris and I have been trying to connect like this for about three months, I think it is. But <laughs> it's been one thing after another that uh, the enemy has thrown after us to to prevent us to, uh, from connecting and recording this podcast, so y'all can listen to hear hear from the uh, expertise of Chris Van Brocklin. And so, yeah. well, Chris, let me ask you this question. I like to ask all my guests a couple of questions, really, as we as we dive a little bit more into what we do and why we do what we do. What's your favorite verse? What's the verse that you kind of hang your hat on in ministry, or is there, or is there a particular verse? Yeah, more and more. Um, several years ago, I really tripped across uh, Matthew five sixteen, and if you've ever been through men's fraternity and been with Robert Lewis very long, oh yeah, this is one of major verses and. It really speaks to, I think, each of us in men's ministry and everybody along the way. But, uh, you know, it, it says in the same way, let your light shine before men so that they can, may see your good works and give glory to your father in heaven. And, um, you know, I think each of us has that opportunity to have influence. And it doesn't matter whether we're involved in some large ministry someplace or a pastor up in front of mm -hmm. a congregation or any of the rest of that. Each one of us needs to live our lives in front of other men in such a way that they don't see us. They see Jesus mm -hmm. and they see uh, and give glory to God. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that me is so meaningful to me that I need to keep reminding myself that every time I have an opportunity to, to have influence, I need to think about that verse and the implications of it, um, which really are, uh, they're, they're pretty serious. Uh, how are they, how are, how are men going to see me? And if it's in a bad way, then it gives dishonor to God. Right. So it's uh, a very serious thing to commit to that. But that that's a very favorite verse of mine. That's where it came from, and that's that's what I live by. Yeah. Well, Chris, how did you come to Christ? When did you come to Christ? Good question. You said you, you said you grew up in a Christian family, but we you know, we yeah. we all got to come to Christ at some point. That's right. Yeah. Actually, I uh, lived up in upstate New York, uh, which is a, uh, what do I want to say, a very traditional place. Uh, my parents were very traditional. They um, were Christians, both of them, born again Christians. Um, we attended a church and um, they were very committed to the church. My, my mom, as a matter of fact, played the organ in a church for probably 25 years. My dad was an elder or a deacon, I guess, all of that time, practically. And uh, wonderful parents. And I had a wonderful upbringing, actually. Um, they were committed to the church, but I've got to say at this point, the church is not very committed to us. And by mm -hmm. that, I mean, unfortunately, that line of church uh, did not really hold the gospel in high regard. And it must be that that's true, because I don't think I ever heard it all of my growing up years in the church. So, so there's a real... Uh, gap 
between my home life and when I went to church and participated in activities there, youth fellowship and all the rest of that, in that they never mentioned heaven or hell or grace or anything like that. And I, I really went away not knowing a lot about that. I didn't really have anything to stand on. The Bible was just a bunch of stories and um, it was fun activities and things, but I certainly did not have what I would call a Christian worldview. I didn't have that rock to stand on. Well, when I got to college, I told you that I got challenged by a professor and that actually, when I look at it, it probably was the first time I started to really think about my own faith. What do I believe? And uh, it wasn't long before God began to answer that. Uh, my wife and I both um, graduated together from the same high school. We had high school friends who'd also gotten married about the same time we did, and they began to have children. And uh, this is after college, and uh, we had not been participating in church at all, all through college. And uh, yet we had this longing. And uh, when, when we saw this particular couple that we'd graduated with parade across our radar screen, they were so attractive because it was obvious that their life had been transformed. And uh, we began following them. And when we followed them, that meant we followed them to church. We followed them different places. And finally, they invited us to go to actually a Billy Graham movie in the October of 1973. We're not impacted by the movie itself. It was called um, Nowhere to Run. Oh, so, I remember that movie. I remember Billy, that movie. But we weren't running. We were, we were just searching really more than anything else. So when Billy Graham got up, and for the first time I remember, I heard the gospel from A to Z mm. in five minutes. Mm. And it was just one of those open doors with a vacuum. I had to go right down to the front of the little movie theater and uh, kneel down and accept Christ. And I did. And mm. my wife is not quite as outgoing as I am. So she sat in her seat and accepted Christ. And uh, both of us started our Christian walk together. Yeah, and man. when we went home, instead of having this big vacuum of nothing to stand on as a father and a husband and a, and a you know, a leader, uh, I finally had something that I could really stand on. And that was my faith. And um, we re literally put a sign up on, on the outside of uh, our front entrance saying, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I just say, that's exactly what we've tried to do since that moment. And it transformed our lives, and we've lived our lives the best we can to uh, follow that. And, of course, that also opened up doors when it came to switching over from the careers that I had to a ministry career, and that God just paved the way all the way. And she and I would both say it was like being on a surfboard with a big wave, <laughs> following the way he went. But, you know, it's really important. You do have to take those first steps. Yep. Just like a vehicle, you know, you can't steer a vehicle until it leaves leaves the intersection, you know, and starts rolling. And the same thing, you got to take some steps. But once you get going, if you allow him to, he'll take the wheel and he will take you places you won't believe. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, Chris is involved with No Regrets Men's Ministry, and we're going to talk about No Regrets Men's Ministry, but we're going to take a break right here for a minute and just uh, share, some, share some insights and thoughts with you. We'll be back in a minute. You're listening to Intentional Conversations with Mike Salmon. Thank you for taking the time to listen to these podcasts. If you're interested in knowing more about me and what I have learned over the years working with men, check out my book, The Call, A Journey into Men's Ministry. You can find the book on Amazon.com or on BarnesandNoble.com. 
check out the website, capefearmen.net. You'll find many recommended resources to help you and the men in your church grow in Christ. You can also follow my blog and discover events Cape Fear Men will be hosting throughout the year. You can even schedule a time to talk with me about your men's ministry or developing a mentoring relationship. If you enjoy these programs, I would ask you to do two things. One, share this program with your friend. And two, consider helping to keep these broadcasts coming to you by giving to Cape Fear Men. You can give by going to capefearmen.net and click on the Give to Cape Fear Men button at the top of the page. Thank you in advance for your donation. Now, back to the program with this week's guests. Okay, welcome back to uh, Intentional Conversations with Mike Sound. And we got Chris Van Brocklin with us on this, and he is an ambassador of No Regrets Men's Ministry. And we've been talking a little bit about uh, what men's ministry is all about and uh, his relationship with Lauren, how he came to Christ. But we're going to switch gears now. We're going to talk about No Regrets Men's Ministry. So, uh, Chris, what's No Regrets Men's Ministry? What's that all about? <laughs> That's a good question. Hey, I, I backed into this one too. So let me tell you a little bit about that. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a strand that runs through my life. Um, for years, um, I've been involved in men's ministry, and I, I met Steve Sonderman, who founded No Regrets, uh, 25 years ago, and uh, both of us were involved in the very first um, National Coalition of Ministry to Men meeting uh, back in um, the Cove, in North Carolina. And um, we kind of touched base with each other along the way. Um, we got to the point where we were starting to do uh, cooperative um, um, working together on things. And it was mainly centered around training. When Promise Keepers uh, abandoned the whole idea of training up their key men, um, different ministries took that and began to run with it. Steve did and I did. And so it wasn't long before we were getting together and comparing notes and helping each other and sharing ideas and all our stuff. So that went on for years. And then I kind of lost touch. I knew that No Regrets had this great big men's conference that went on every year. But, you know, there were a lot of conferences and I didn't pay a close attention to it, never attended, never saw much about that. But all that time they had, uh, they were building almost 30 years of conference ministry. And then they were also building ministry um, tools around it. Well, uh, I was going along and I was pretty happy where I was. I was with uh, Man in the Mirror Ministries and um, I was developing um, a regional ministry up in the Baltimore, uh, Maryland area. And I got a phone call and Steve um, on the other line uh, told me about this opportunity to come on board with their ministry up in Wisconsin and help them to reorganize it, basically. You know, it's been 25 years at that point or somewhere in that vicinity and it just needed a re, uh, uh, an overhaul. And Steve was full, full-time staff with Elmbrook Church. And uh, he called me and told me about this position. And he said, gee, do you know anybody who, who fits this? <laughs> well, it was kind of a, that's kind of an uh, open-ended like question. I, <laughs> I hung up and I took that information to my wife and I said, this is just like taking my resume and putting it up against a job description and it, it matches. So I went on board with him and spent three years actually doing just what I said, um, retooling the ministry. And uh, it actually paved the way so that Steve could now work full-time uh, in this ministry of no regrets rather than sharing time with his full-time uh, 
position as a pastor at Elmbrook Church. Well, most people hear No Regrets, and that's the first thing I think of this huge conference that seats, you know, 3,000 guys up at Elmbrook, and then it has come to uh, stream the conference to about 110 churches, um, not only in the, in the U.S., but also all across the world. Wow. And um, it's really gained a tremendous following. Uh, there are thousands and thousands of guys who've been impacted by that event over the years. It's the first Saturday in February every year yeah. been going on. Next year will be the 30th anniversary, just year after year after year of plugging away. They have tremendous speakers, just a wonderful uh, way that they have designed it. And when COVID came along, they're already doing the, the, the host site stuff, you know, the remote. And it, you know, it just fit. And it's been nothing but a, an uphill, you know, boost. So it's really going well. But the conference is definitely not the, the heart and center of the ministry. The heart and center is still falls exactly where Steve and I lie. And that is we need to train up leaders at the local church level in order to be able to minister to men effectively. And they're the ones who are carrying out the Great Commission. And uh, if we can even have any kind of influence to be able to help them to do that, it's not going to happen at our events. It's going to happen as a result of our events, that guys will come to, to join, for instance, small groups, and they'll join in a leadership team of a church to be able to build a ministry that impacts men. And so that's what we're really about. We have lots and lots of tools and and availability of things just 24 seven all year long, not just that one conference. Yeah, that's, uh, that's amazing. In fact, I didn't even realize until I was talking to Steve here not too long ago myself, and he was telling me about the 30th anniversary of the conference. And I was like, I just couldn't imagine it had been going on that long. I had no idea it had been going on that long, though I've been hearing about the, the No Regrets Conference for many years. And, uh, and it's just amazing. The impact. How many men do you think? I know you don't have an exact number, mm. but uh, through the through the, uh, the the online efforts and host churches, how many men do you think you impact on, on a given Saturday conference? Got any idea? Well, if you multiply it times 30, <laughs> you get hundreds of thousands. But really, we, we estimate that there are at least 15,000 men on that Saturday every year. Not the same men necessarily. It changes, of course. But, I mean, at least right. 15,000 men are hearing it and participating yeah. in it. And a lot of them at the local church. So that's really good because they've already taken a step in that direction where the local church they're looking to to provide ministry for them. And it's, it's a lot easier for a church to attract them when they're sitting right there in their building than it is to go to a conference down at some stadium or something and then somehow try to help the guys make that transition from the stadium back to the church. Now they've got this thing that's happened at their church each year they participated in. And it, it's not, it should not be rocket science to get those guys to come back for, for activities to help them grow. Yeah. And that's one of the things we try to teach men's leaders all the time is when you do have an event, like a no regrets men's ministry uh, conference at your local church, is always have something that you can, um, um, that will bring them back. There's some, something there set up that you can announce to them, you can talk to them, you can explain to them that will cause them to, to return uh, and be able to begin to speak more into their lives. So I think a lot of times our men's ministry uh, in our local churches say, that's one of the things they fail to do when they have a big events. They don't have something there and engage for the guys to come back to. 
And it's easier when you do it in your local church than it is to do it in a stadium, stadium atmosphere. That is so true. That is so true. Yeah, even the Notre Dame Conference itself, every year they write a follow-up study which comes from the content that just took place in the conference. Mm. And they, they, um, they introduce it and put it on the app and on the website. It's a free six or seven or eight-week study. And the idea is to make a very natural bridge for a guy to be able to come back and go with other guys, and they're hearing very much the same kinds of things. There's also an opportunity for everyone, once the conference is over, within hours, they have every one of the sessions up on the website for free. For free? Yeah. There's an archive there where you can go in today to noregretsconference.org, and you can find the media place, and that's where all the archives are. That's where the study is, and uh, it's it's based upon um, everything that you heard and you can listen to those speakers anytime. You know, if you want to, you want to go home and share one of the great messages with your wife and family, it's there. Or if you want to start a a men's small group, I started a group after our conference down here in Crossville, Tennessee, and we've got seven guys and we're just beginning the eight week or no, I guess it's a seven week follow-up study called press on, which was the theme of the conference this year, press on in difficult times. So um, that's just one way to get started. There are other much deeper studies that those lead to. The Notre Gets, uh, study series is a very deep dive, kind of a, uh, a study that a more mature Christian would want to jump into. It's got that scripture memory. There's homework. Uh, there's accountability with other men, uh, great biblical teaching, and so on. And it's done in a similar way, but in a much more deep way. So... There, there are just all kinds of things that can follow up and really encourage churches, no matter what their activity is. There are all kinds of resources, not just with us, but with other ministries that they need to take advantage of and not lose that momentum and opportunity of any event that they do. Mm, that's super. What are some other tools that you provide? You mm-hmm. got that the one that you just talked about or the other tools that um, uh, yeah. men could tap into? Yeah. There, you know, um, Unfortunately, no seminaries teach men's ministry. Yeah, I know um, Steve and I were talking about that the other day. I don't care yeah. how many Christian Christian schools you go to or seminaries yeah. you go to, you will not find a course on men's ministry. It's been a challenge, and I've actually been involved in trying to help them do that, and I've not gotten anywhere with that. And um, <laughs> so that's always been a deficit. Um, if I'm if I back into becoming the no regrets, or I mean the the men's ministry leader of my local church. What do I do with that? You know, where do I get trained? Well, you know, that was, that was my big question. When, when I first accepted the role as a men's leader in my local church, I was like, okay, what do I do now? You That's know? right. Exactly. <laughs> well, um, over the years, uh, Steve and I both have been involved and others have been involved in training. And usually what that training looked like was you'd find a host church. Um, you'd um, set a date. And you'd invite men's leaders who are in that situation from all over the area, the best you could to come in is always very difficult to ask, very difficult, mostly because they didn't understand what we were doing. And it just was difficult. Well, COVID drove us to think differently. And we decided that we're going to take all of that training and we're going to revamp it and offer it online as what we call a cohort um, it's not just online. We do have online courses that you can take how to how to build a, or start a men's ministry or how to start a small group is one of our just right online. You can take the class, $25 or something like that, and, and watch all those sessions. 
But a cohort's different. What we do is we wait until we have uh, 12 or so leaders from different churches from wherever. And, and hopefully it actually would be a leader and maybe two or three of his team that would join. So we may end up with three or four teams and we meet once a month online. We spend about two and a half hours. And the, the reason it takes that long is because what we're doing is we're processing the homework that they've done in preparation for each one of our sessions. So we have uh, a session once a month for six months. Mm -hmm. And we really spend time with them. And it's different than just having some guy talking head, you know, just dumping a bunch of information, which is unfortunately what we've done for years. Uh, finally, we have a place where a guy can come and feel very much a part of the group and share his ideas and his experience and, and ask questions about the things he's doing. The goal of the cohort is each one of those teams or each individual goes home with, his, with a plan for how he's going to develop his men's ministry in his local church. Now, that's the cohort we're doing so far. It's designed for men's ministry leaders who have the mantle of leading a men's ministry in a local church. Right. We also have a second one, which we're working on right now, and hopefully we'll have a new cohort that'll start up uh, probably in the summer or fall. It's about a man who doesn't have the mantle to do that at all, but he really wants to minister to men. He wants to be a small group leader. He wants to be uh, a one-on-one -on -one disciple maker. Um, he wants to know more about the real disciple making process without crowding it out with all of these, you know, uh, uh, nuts and bolts of how to build a men's ministry for the church. And so that'll be the other level that we'll have. We'll have those two levels. And um, we probably will have a third one uh, at some time in the near future that will just be for seasoned leaders. They've been there, done that, don't need the training for things, but they do need ideas on how to replace themselves and how to multiply their, their leadership pipeline in their church and make it so that they can expand what's already started. And then personal holiness kinds of things. How can you finish well? What are the what are the attributes of a, of a mature Christian in the, la in the latter days of their service for, for um, the church? Mm -hmm. And so that'll be uh, yet another level or different approach. And all three of those should really pretty much cover the basis for where a man is in leadership in men's ministry. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's super because, you know, that is one of the areas that uh, we have failed as, as, churches, I guess I say that in general, is, is not training up men uh, to be leaders and to be the leaders of other men in, in that respect. And we all have our ideas. Some's worked, some haven't. And, and, uh, and we need to be able to draw from each other the, the experiences that um, others have gained in, in, the, in their life as leading men. And, and it's great. And I think it's super of this cohort uh, um, that, you're, that you all are developing. Uh, I just wish our our schools who are training up our leaders for churches will understand the importance of of helping them to understand the importance of being able to uh, train them to lead men. Mm -hmm. uh, I know most of them are training pastors, and that's and that's what, all well and good, and that's super. They need to be doing that. But um, until you get your men engaged, what is it? One of our what, one of our friends said, "What is it when men get it, everybody wins?" And so. Okay. Uh, 
And so we need to be, we need to be, we need to be doing that. Um, well, Chris, how can men who are interested in one of these cohorts or in the um, other, other uh, tools that you may have available, how can they get more information about that and, and sign up for that? Sure. Well, the present time we have two different websites. One of them is the no regrets conference.org. That's where you can find uh, all information about a conference, how to sign up as a host site, how to attend at Elmbrook, how to uh, develop all of that. And, um, and then the follow-up, the, um, the videos, the media, and so on. Uh, we also have a second website called no regrets men.org. Um, I'm sorry. It's men with no regrets.org. I get that backwards sometimes. Men with no regrets.org. You can go in there and that has more to do with what are the, what are the follow, what are the studies like the no regrets study series? The cohort is in there for leadership development. Uh, you can register right online for that. You can find out all of the information about it all there. You can find out way more about No Regrets. We also have a podcast that Steve does once a week that you can access and, uh, and download those. And then we also have an app. It's just No Regrets app. And uh, you can download that on your device and you can access some of the same things I just talked about much more quickly and in anywhere where you happen to be traveling. So there are multiple ways of, of connecting, but if you have any questions whatsoever, feel free to, to uh, email me. I'll give you my really simple email address so that it's not too terribly difficult. It's my, it's actually my initials. Carl Christian Van Brocklin is my real name. So KCVB at AOL.com will get you right in the right in the front door real quick. If uh, you want to use the, the technical one, it's Chris.VanBrocklin at uh, NoRegretsMen.org. That's much more confusing, but you can reach me that way as well. Uh, so what was that? What was that? What was that simple? What was that simple email address again? It's KCVB, like Carl with a K, Christian C. V Van and B Brocklin, KCVB at AOL.com. I was probably one of the first AOL users because how simple is that? Yeah. <laughs> Starting to date yourself a little bit too. <laughs> be glad to work with you. Be glad to uh, point you in any direction. I just love, love, love working with men's leaders and helping them to figure it out. I see, Chris. I've known Chris for a number of years because he is uh, one of the founding members of, of the National Coalition of Ministry to Men, and that's a great super organization. And uh, there's a lot of information you can find out there, too, and, and find Chris. Chris would be happy to talk with you if you are interested more about what's going on with No Regrets and How to Minister to Men. It, uh, we need to, uh, if, you, if you're interested in ministering to men, you need to reach out to uh, somebody like Chris and Steve Solomon and others that can uh, can be a mentor to you as you begin to develop your ministry. Uh, you will be blessed, and I would certainly encourage you to do that. Well, Chris, our time is is coming up. We're going to have to kind of close off, and I, I and I want to give you a couple of minutes just to share whatever is on your heart towards our our listening audience about. Uh, ministering to men or just uh, to minister uh, to men in general, growing in their walk and their faith with Christ. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I will. You know, I go back to some of the teaching that I learned in men's fraternity with Robert Lewis and so on. And he had a section in there that had to do with seasons, seasons of your life. You know, it's really important to recognize where you're at 
you know, if you're at the beginning of the of the seasons, if you're in the in the spring of life, I guess you would say, it's a time to to put your feet on the ground and make that determination that you are are also going to follow Christ and uh, get that solidly planted and begin doing your due diligence and training and getting to the point where you're effective for his ministry. Uh, when you're in your mid-years, you're beginning to really build things, and there could be some ministries that you want to start participating in and get involved in. Of course, men's ministry is a great one, because what's better than reaching other men? And, uh, and then as you get into the latter years, the second half of life, um, you're into the, the fall of life, and that's where you have the most influence. You have had enough experience and, and, and the school of hard knocks and everything else, but you have the ability to be able to reach out and reach more and more men in what you've learned. They are so hungry in the earlier years to know a man who has that ability to be able to lead them where they need to go. And then things don't stop there. The winter of life can be very good. And I, again, challenge Men who feel like they've retired, don't retire from the church. Don't retire from your ministry. God has a plan for you in that you can reach down one level, one generation, and reach that person and lead them to the places where they need to go as well. So that's where I am. I want to finish well. I don't want to quit. And I hope you feel the same way. Amen. Amen. I do feel the same way. That's one of the things that I've always thought about in my season because I'm, I'm in my winter years also. And that's one of the things that uh, I, I tell guys a lot of times, just because you may have retired from your secular job. Uh, if you are still walking on this planet, God's not through with you. He still has a plan for you. And you can take that knowledge that you have gained over all those years and share it with the younger generation to help them in their walk with Christ. Thanks, Chris. Chris, I appreciate you being with me today. You've provided a lot of information I got for men to think about. And, uh, and I want to encourage our listening audience to reach out to you at some point and, and, and uh, let Chris and, and No Regrets Men's Ministry help you out. You can re reach them again at, at uh, www.menwithnoregrets.org or at noregretsconference.org. And of course, you can get Chris. And I'm going to give them both of the both of the emails there, as you say. You can call me, get him at uh, chris.fanbrocklin at noregretsmens.org. Or, as he says, you can do it the simple way by going to kcvb at aol.com. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate you being with me today. You bet. Thank you, Mike. All right. Bless you. God bless. Thank you for listening to Intentional Conversations with Mike Sandlin. Intentional Conversations is a production of Cape Fear Men, a men's ministry coalition. Cape Fear Men is a 501c3 organization operating under Ministry Alliance. To learn more about Cape Fear Men and how Cape Fear Men can help you reach the men of your church, or if you want to know more about what we discuss with these programs, go to capefearmen.net. If you'd like to speak to me directly, email me at mike.sandlin at capefearmen.net. But for now, I will leave you with this blessing. I pray God will give you a rock to stand on, a brook to drink from, and a tree to shade you. This is Mike Sandlin saying God bless, and I hope you will join me again on the next Intentional Conversation with Mike Sandlin.